All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today's guest is David Schreiner-Khan, host of the Smashing the Plateau podcast, which is best known for providing weekly advice to entrepreneurs. In addition to his podcast, David has created an online platform that offers resources, accountability, and camaraderie to high-performing professionals who are making the leap from the corporate career track to entrepreneurial business ownership. David is a graduate of Cornell University and Lafayette College, plus the Institute for Not-for-Profit Management at Columbia Business School and Fulbright Scholarship at Technion in Israel. His career has spanned 45 years, where he has worked for companies that include engineering design, development, as well as nonprofit communal organizations. Shriner Khan's Smashing the Plateau podcast has been named by Forbes as a podcast to power up your ultra-lean business. He has also been recognized as an entrepreneur that will change the way you communicate by Inc. Magazine. Wow, I, I am super excited about this. And David and I were introduced by a mutual friend and obviously both being entrepreneurs now and having lived the other life, the other side, I think we will have a fabulous conversation. So welcome and let's get started, David. Thank you so much, Janice. It's great to be here. Great. So, you know, I, I I love to kind of start with a bio, but really there's so much more to, I'm sure, what you're doing and who you are. So David, tell me who you are, what you believe your purpose is, and what you're passionate about. Well, Janice, I believe that you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth. And it sounds very simple, but there's a lot more to it than just doing it and getting paid. And that really is something that I've been working at my entire life and my entire career. And it is the primary focus of what I do now in my business. So it, it, this is interesting because I, I want to first start with a little bit about your own personal and career journey and how you got to where you are and kind of um, came to this conclusion. So tell me uh, about that. Sure. So, so I studied engineering because... I did better in high school in math and science than I did in humanities. And it seemed like kind of a logical choice. I was also really strongly encouraged by my parents to do something that they considered to be risk averse and that would provide what they thought would be sort of, I don't know, safe, sustainable income. They were not entrepreneurs. They did everything they could to um, avoid anything they considered risky in life. And so I started off studying engineering, not really thinking about what it is that I really wanted to do or what would make me happy or how I might actually make an impact on others. And the first wake-up call, and it's interesting how these things happen when there's, there's often a trigger that we don't have any control over. So the first wake-up call for me happened about four years into my career. I had just had, I was in my second job as an engineer. I had just had my 
annual performance review, which was a great review. I got a nice raise. And my boss called me into his office about a month later. And he said, David, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you're doing a great job. Bad news is you don't have a job here anymore. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what? You know, I was focused on solving engineering problems. I didn't pay any attention to the actual business part of the company that I worked for. And in fact, they had lost a huge portion of their contracts and ended up firing, I don't know, probably half the staff, myself included. So it was nothing, it was not related to my performance at all, but I still was out of work. And, you know, it ended up triggering a lot of soul searching. And really that's when I started to think about, okay, well, what do I really want to do with my life? And, you know, when you're faced with these situations, you often think about what it is you don't want to do first. And one of my don'ts was, I don't want to be in corporate when I'm 55 years old mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and have somebody tell me, um, David, you're doing great work, but you don't have a job here anymore. So I was thinking, okay, so what else can I do? And I kind of dabbled in entrepreneurship at that point. I was totally clueless. I didn't know anybody who was an entrepreneur, didn't know how to do it. So I knew that wasn't going to, I wasn't going to be able to pull it off, at least at that time. And I ended up going into the nonprofit sector because I thought at least there would be a more likely chance that the employer-employee relationship wouldn't be as transactional as it was in the corporate sector. I learned afterwards that that's true with some organizations, not so true with others. And I also thought that I would be doing something where I would feel much better about what I was doing and I'd see you know, direct impact on my work. So it, it was actually a really good move and um, it, it was a good a good choice. I was I was able to make the transition. That's probably a whole other podcast, like how to do that. But I spent 23 years working in executive roles in nonprofit organizations, learned a lot about leadership and management. And I had thought about this sort of, you know, more control over your over your career destiny the entire time that I was in the nonprofit sector. And in, in many ways, kind of planning my exit for that entire time. And as I, you know, as I mentioned, some organizations are um, more transactional in the relationship, the the um, employer employee relationship than others. And lo and behold, about 17 years into my last job, there was a new CEO who was hired. I was I was in a number two position reporting to the CEO, and there was some overlap in skills between me and my new boss, and we got along fine. That wasn't the issue, but I knew the organization was probably not going to pay for two big salaries forever. So the handwriting was kind of on the wall that I needed to to move on. And I decided that I would, you know, I, I was ready to try something entrepreneurial at that point. And I would start a solo consulting business, which is what I did. And in fact, um, I did get pushed out because um, I kind of waited until I was forced to make the move, but I did make the move that I wanted to make, which was to start my own business. How many years was that into kind of, you know, the, the thinking about it and then getting to it, just to give a perspective. So I, I sort of thought about it, I would say low level for years. And I had a, a good friend who also started off his career as an engineer. And actually, he, he never left engineering, but he left corporate early on and started his own engineering business solo. And he made it work. And he kept saying to me, David, why don't you just do what I'm doing? And I'm like, no, I need a paycheck. You know, I have a family. And the truth was, I didn't have the courage to try it. You know, all the excuses that we all go through. Right, right. So was it like a four year, five year, 10 year, like just a span of? Yeah. So, so 
the new CEO came in a year before I left. So I was really serious about it for like for that last year. Cause okay. I, I right at that point I knew the likelihood is I would have to move on either proactively or reactively. Mm -hmm. So I, I really needed a plan. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, you mentioned that not for profit Institute at Columbia business school. So the week that my employer hired the new CEO was the same week that I finished this program. So I had, Ooh. right. So I, right. So I had this, this really nice kind of executive education bit under my belt. And I also had, you know, I had some new relationships through that program and I thought it was actually good timing to take what I had learned, which kind of, uh, I would say put theory into the practices that I had already been using in my jobs for like 20 plus years. Um, and I thought it was actually a great launching pad to do something new. So it's interesting because, and, and I'm just going to say right now, we're, you know, as we're talking, you know, there are a lot of people that are being laid off in, in corporate. I mean, every day it's in the newspaper, you know, 10,000 here, or, you know, 20,000, whatever, whatever the numbers are, especially in tech, but across the board. So I think there's a couple of takeaways here, which, which are don't wait for the, you know, the boom to come always have your own plan, have, have a, have a way of, you know, thinking about what ifs. Uh, we had some other guests on, they talked about, you know, who's the handful, of, who are the handful of people that you would call, okay, should you be laid off? And it, this is not just a um, waiting for that to happen and having your list, but cultivating. And I think there's a theme here and you were cultivating possibilities of other things that you could do just as these other uh, guests talked about cultivating the relationships with other people that they knew so that suddenly if something happens uh, or you think you're close to having something like that happen, that you you have a plan, a plan B or whatever you want to call it, or, or maybe it is your plan A, you know, maybe it isn't the plan B. It is uh, plan B is what you're doing. Plan A is what you really want to be doing. So just a little bit of advice there in terms of our, for our listeners. So with all that said, how do you define success? I think success is a very personal decision. And right, the way I define success right now is different than the way I might've defined it earlier in my career. You mentioned in the introduction that I launched and I host a community for entrepreneurs who, who are corporate refugees like you and me. And for me, success is when, when I see someone share a challenge that they're going through in the community, get support from others, get ideas from other people, get connections from other people, um, have some collaboration, and then they're able to overcome the challenge. And many cases I've seen that not only have they overcome the challenge, but they've done much better when they've come out on the other side. So for me, when I see that kind of success in the people that I'm supporting, that's a huge win, nice. right? It's a win for them. And I consider it a win for me because I've set up the space for this to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think about um, your vision of success over the years, how has that changed? Yeah, initially, earlier, earlier in my career, it was much more focused on, I would say, something that I thought would be personally rewarding, make me happy, make those that were financially dependent upon me happy, you know, basic things like putting food on the table, um, making sure that there's a place to live, 
you know, and as we get older, I think our views on these things change and we want to have more of an impact on the world and, and be able to leave more of a legacy. Well said and very, very consistent with a lot of people. Although we have had people who are early in their careers who have a completely different mindset um, than those of us that started many years ago, which is, um, you know, the money is important. I have to have enough to, to eat, but it's not the be all and end all. Time, time is what they want to spend it the way they choose to. So I think it's just, it's just an interesting uh, space to keep an eye on in terms of, you know, people's definition of success. And probably some of it has to do with COVID where we look at, you know, people's activities, everybody wanting to travel now and get out and do, right? It's, I mean, not that we didn't want to do it before, but like you said, that the priorities might've been a little bit different. So is there anything you would have done differently in your life's journey now that you look back? Well, as I mentioned, I dabbled with entrepreneurship after I was fired the first time, you know, when I was in my 20s. And if I could have pulled it off, I think I would have been happier. Now, that being said, you know, I'm pretty happy with my career. I did some great things, um, had great relationships, and uh, and I'm pretty happy with how my career has turned out. But I think I would have enjoyed it even more had I been more in control over my destiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's so easy to what is it? You know, to quarterback the the past, but when you look at you know those different roads, you think, well, gosh, you know, I had to go through those that part of the journey to get to where I am. It's it's a it's a really challenging one to to address. I know, and I think a lot of people say, you know, I don't know that I could. Maybe I should have thought about it, but it's the it's the you today looking looking at it, not the you of yesterday. So kind of interesting. So David, what advice would you give to future entrepreneurs? Yeah, the, the podcast and the community actually, um, th th there's a synergy in the message, which is you can build your own business and you can build a great business, but don't try to do it alone. And you know, there's a myth, I think, in America about the, um, the solo success story. And when you dig deeper, there's never a solo success story. There's always a team of people. And you you need to find your people. And especially if you're making that shift from corporate to your own business, in all likelihood, you need to find new people who will be your people that will support you through the through the rough times. Because when it's easy, it's easy. There's a, also a, a big difference in kind of mindset and activity between being an employee and being an entrepreneur. As an employee, if you're wrong more than 10% of the time, you're going to hear it from other people in a negative way. And it will have a, an impact on your growth, uh, a negative impact on your growth. If you're an entrepreneur and you're right more than 10% of the time, you're doing really well. So you, you need to be with other people who will support you through all the attempts that you're going to make that are going to fail and can help you get up and try again and keep trying until you get it to work. So how big is the community that you've assembled or that you make available? Um, yeah. As of now, we have about 25 people in the community. We, you know, we just nice. started last year. Mm -hmm. um, and for anybody who has been involved in building community, this is not a quick process. It takes time to you know, to connect people, people to get to know one another. And I, I don't envision this being the kind of community that's going to be um, a huge volume of people. I think it actually works better if it's more intimate. 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There's so many, uh, specialty communities out there for different topic areas, uh, for, we'll just one that's top of mind for me is like boards or, you know, or you, you can slice the board in a variety of different ways, male, female, uh, certain geographies, et cetera, et cetera. But there's lots and lots of different types of communities. Um, so I think that a lot of them do make that mistake and they get too big. Um, so I, I like that you're going to keep it more to, um, to the smaller side so people get to know each other. So I love to go through a section that I call fun facts, and we're going to just go really fast, drill through this, but uh, tell me, who's the person you admire the most and why? Um, I really admire Terry Gross, who is the host of the Fresh Air podcast. Uh, You and I are both podcasters. Terry is an incredible interviewer. I think she's the best out there. And she interviews with really careful, active listening and humility and has the most intimate conversations with guests. Nice. Favorite book? Um, So this is actually, it's a story, not a book. Um, The Hare and the Tortoise, because slow and steady with perseverance leads to success. Oh, that is profound. (laughs) Favorite movie? Um, also, not actually a movie. It's it's a short cartoon, um, Bugs Bunny and the Gorilla. <laughs> uh, because you know the, the the other animals are always trying to to catch the rabbit, um, and in this case, the gorilla actually does catch the rabbit and pummels him to pieces, and kills over an exhaustion in the process. And then the, the rabbit stands up and says, "Gee, I guess I wore him out." <laughs> There's a pattern here. Okay, we're really getting to know you. Okay, <laughs> favorite city? No surprise, it's New York, which is where I live, um, because it is really easy to be yourself here, and it's it's such a great, diverse, multicultural city. Okay, and then favorite food? Smoked sable from Murray's on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Whoa. Okay, that is a real specialty, but I do like Murray's. Okay, so. How can listeners reach you? Best place is to go to our website, smashingtheplateau.com. And I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm the only David Schreiner con in the world. Easy to find. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. And once again, thanks everyone for listening. And hopefully you will check out David's podcast as well as what he has to offer in terms of the community. So David, stay out there. Keep smashing it. Thank you so much, Janice. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.